Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Come on, give it up. Our amazing prayer leader, Sydney, first offering message, come on. Oh my gosh, what do I have a job for? Everyone's way better than me. It's fantastic. And would you guys give it up for Johan and Eden holding it down for us? Obviously, Pastor Amy, quick split. I'm sure Aria, our uh, amazing little Aria is in, in need. But uh, man, the Lord is here. Oh, Christian, I said the Lord is here. Come on, somebody. You know the deal. Stand up, give him a 10-second praise break. Go. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, have a seat, have a seat. Oh, my Lord. Oh, man, he uh, is, oh, man, he's so good. He's so good, and I am, uh, I'm already messed up, so just get ready, because it's going to be, it's going to be a good morning. Oh, uh, man, first fruits, come on. Who has felt the sacrifice this week? We have, but I'll tell you what, what we sacrifice in the natural, I'm telling you, we are reaping already the reward in the spiritual, amen? I am telling you, God goes where he's wanted, and when you tell him, Lord, here is the thing that leads my heart towards places, my treasure, God, I want you here, guess what he responds with? I'm coming, I'm coming, it's who he is. It's who he is. And if financial conversations in church bother you, take it up with Jesus because he said that and not me. <laughs> Amen? So I want to tell you, this week, yes, feel free to still join in. We encourage you to. We left it open for this weekend on purpose because we know few of us were gone last week. But man, next week we'll have the reveal. It's awesome. Can't believe. And I just want to give a little pre-praise to Jesus for all that he did in the lives of people here who understand, man, God has freely given to me, so freely I give back to him. So come on, make some noise. You are incredible. You are amazing. I tell you, I am dumbfounded. <laughs> I am blown away. I am humbled. And I am just, I'm amazed at the generosity in this room. And it's not just a spirit of generosity. It's a spirit of building a house of prayer. Because we can be generous to a million other things, and some of us already are, but there are people in this room that have said and decided within themselves, no, I am going to give to see, take over church, establish as a house of prayer, so that we can live in a place that is called Grand Rapids, but resembles that of heaven. Amen? It's what it's here for. It's what it's here for. So I'm pumped. Man, if you're new with us this morning, my name is Pastor Matt. I get to uh, have the amazing opportunity and privilege of leading this wonderful band of Messiah's misfits. So it's good to see you. But this morning we are continuing the stewardship of our prophetic word for 2024, which is Matthew 21, 13, where Jesus made it clear. We don't serve an aimless God. We don't serve a God of haphazardness. No, we serve a God who is intentional, who is purposeful, who doesn't ever speak something without thinking it all the way through, who has an idea in mind, a God idea, which means it's perfected before it ever leaves his mouth of what he desires to see in his people and in his earth and specifically in his church. And he said this, my house shall be what? A house of prayer. My house. Whose house? His house. His house. I love it. And if there is a dream in our Jesus' heart, 
then my only good and right and perfect response to all that he has done in me and for me and saved me out of is to give my life to see the dream in his heart manifest and become real in this earth in my lifetime. Amen. Who's with me? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Oh, it is Young Micah's last Sunday with us. As we talked about last week. Okay, he's, I get it. I get it. But he's going on to do amazing things, not just for the Lord, but with the Lord. And I know after the last two years with him, as him being more than my armor bearer, this little bugger became one of my best friends, my beloved little brother. And I am so happy. And I got to tell you, friends, if you've ever wondered what the phrase spiritual father or spiritual son looks like, Micah has embodied spiritual sonship to the nth degree. He's been teachable, humble, faithful, hungry, thirsty. He's wanted it's something that's missing in the church today, Mike. And I don't just say that because I have to blow smoke on you before you leave. I say it because, friend, when I was coming up, it was something that was missing. It was lacking. And today it's something that is still missing and still lacking. And I am telling you, we live in a day and age where people say, Pastor, I want a relationship with you. Pastor, I want you to tell me things. Pastor, I want you to disciple me. But I am telling you, you didn't just ask and you didn't just seek. But boy, you kept knocking. You kept showing up. You didn't leave me alone when I told you to leave me alone. You came. And because of that, you have my full blessing, my full confidence in everything that you're going to go and do. I love you, young Micah. Make sure you get some time with him. Make sure you get some time with him. Before he heads out, this will be his last service here at Takeover Church. Uh, not forever, obviously. You can be that weird you know, brother that comes from way up in Leland, Michigan. And uh, going to be honest, first time I ever heard the word Leland, Michigan, was when Micah told me he was going to do some crazy things with the God. And I was like, sounds cold, bro. Uh, <laughs> get it. It's going to be awesome. I'm so, so stoked that you, that you, we might have just had first fruits last Sunday. You are the first fruits of this house. And it's an honor to sow your life into soil called Leland. I love you. It's my guy. Anyways, I'll talk about my other guy, my main guy, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon this morning is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Come on. Somebody's with me. A ripple in redemptive time. A ripple in redemptive time a ripple in redemptive time if you got your b-i-b-l-e you could turn to second kings second kings 22 14 through 20 i'm gonna use my preacher bible that young micah got me on his way out to uh, honor me it's amazing and i'm i've been crying in it a lot 2 Kings 22, 14 through 20. It'll be up on our Sky Bible because our amazing Jen and Phil are holding it down in the back for us. Come on, somebody. So Hilkiah, the priest, Achim, Akbor, Shaphan, Isaiah, not Isaiah, Isaiah, went to Huldah. We talked about her last week briefly. The prophetess, oh man, the one who was uh, given birth to Angie in her lives. Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom. Angie, the husband God has for you, has a way better name than Shalom. The son of Tikva, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they talked with her. I love it. And she said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, 
which is Josiah. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the words of the book that the king Judah has read, which we talked about last week is Deuteronomy, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding words that you have heard, Josiah, because your heart has been penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse. You have torn your clothes You have rent your heart. You have wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Therefore. Behold, somebody say behold. I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought this word back to King Josiah. We're going to pray, and I'm going to tell you why that's good news. Does that sound good? Come on, let's invite the Father. Father, we love you. Our Father, we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our Father, you are not Pastor Matt's Father. You are not just Pastor Adrian's Father. You are not just old saints' fathers. You are not Jesus' Father. God, today we come into agreement with the words of your firstborn, Jesus Christ himself. And we say, our Father. Somebody say, Our Father. Our Father. Come and minister to us. Come and minister to us, God. We already know that you're here. We know that you're moving. We know that you're alive and active, sharper than every double-edged blade, able to pierce between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And so, God, with that in mind, would you come in a fashion today that pierces the heart of every person in this room and every person who will hear this in the days to come. Lord, come. Pierce us today, God, as we pierce the veil to see you, minister to you, speak with you, sit by you rightly, God. Every other spirit in the room, we just command you in the mighty name of Jesus, you go to hell. You go back to hell from which you came. This is a spiritual place where only the Holy Spirit is allowed to have dominion and authority. We have no toleration for the powers of darkness in this room, in this house, and in these people. So you go as we get low and we lift him high. And Jesus, we just say this, we love you, we honor you for our sacrifices, God. Lord, we will never be a house that simply proclaims with our lips, bless the Lord while living lives that do not bless the Lord. Lord, find us here today as your sons and your daughters who say we will sing and we will live. We will sing and we will live unto your glory to bless your name in all the days of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled church with fire in their bones said, Amen. Amen. Come on. A ripple in redemptive time. A ripple in redemptive time. A ripple in redemptive time. Now, full disclosure, this is basically part deuce of last week, which is interesting because I don't know that I've ever done a part two of anything. So, my wife is like, it's true. 
So this is new for me. But I'm not ready to change the subject because I don't feel like God is ready to change the subject. I feel like there's so much more in Josiah's life and actually the fruit of Josiah's life that we're going to explore today because I believe it has eternal ramifications, but, but potentially even more than eternal ramifications, if I can even say that. There are temporal consequences, good and bad, if we do not learn from this king who God himself said there was no one before him and there will be no one like him. If Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, well, man, number two behind my own son is this man, Josiah. It's God's words himself. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to the message. It's God's words himself. There is no one else that is a man on this planet before or after him, that is like Josiah. And for me, I'm like, this is troubling. But if Josiah, and that word from the Lord is possible for our lives, if you and I, we can actually learn from this man See, we live in West Michigan where we got a religious spirit we are fighting every single time we gather because the religious spirit wants to tell you and I that Jesus is our savior, but living like Jesus isn't actually possible or attainable. And I am telling you, if he went to the cross for you and I to stay limited, that he went to the cross in vain. Because his word says, no, I paid the full price. I bought the whole ransom. I have saved you out of hell and I have made a way for you to be reborn in my image and my likeness once again. Amen. It's either going to be the resurrection life or it's going to be bust, baby. And I'm not interested in continuing to live at bust or for the spiritual climate around us to be at bust. No, 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 I want to experience the resurrection and the life. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And so some of us, some of us, friends, I've got to tell you, I have got to tell you this morning, oh, I wish the people that I knew this word was for were here. <laughs> Not just the word today, this word I have in this moment. Some of us, friends, we will not live a life like Josiah. while we continue to live with holes in our heart, holes in our minds, and holes in our souls. Some of us, we have been literally bandaging our wounds with religion, which is birthing and producing bondage in our lives instead of allowing the Holy Spirit in loving relationship with Jesus to heal us and make us holy, whole. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. Want to know how I know? Because Josiah was raised in a time and a place of great decline, sexual morality at all time high, and the reason this was birthed in Israel at the time is because of his own grandfather Manasseh and his dad. He was raised up underneath the most two <laughs> sucky kings in all of Jerusalem and Judah's history. And he was raised up in that. And what was Josiah's response? It wasn't to sit with heartbreak. 
It wasn't to sit with open wounds. It wasn't to sit with a broken mind. It wasn't to live with a wounded soul. No, what did he do? He sought God with the whole, are you hearing me? The whole of his heart. And when you seek God with the whole of your heart, he heals the whole in your heart. He sought God with the whole of his mind. And what happens? He seeks God with the whole of his mind and it heals the whole in his mind. He sought God with the whole of his soul and it healed the whole in his soul. And then he became obedient to the word of God because remember when he was eight years old, the word of God had been discarded and lost in the city and kingdom of Judah. For 400 years they went without the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy, the law of Moses. Some of us, we will continue to bandage ourselves with religion, thinking that we're going to find wholeness in podcasts, in political candidates, in conversations around godly manners in our nation while going without having a godly, contrite spirit in ourselves. I'm telling you, friends, religion and our relationship to it You cannot fill that hole in your heart that keeps you wounded with podcasts, as great as they are, won't heal you. With TPUSA and Victory Channel and Rumble, it won't heal you. Only Jesus can fix what is broken in the human. And I appreciate anybody this morning because we are living lives right now and we're wondering Why are my children not coming to love the Lord? Why do I still have prodigals that hate God? It's because they are watching your life walk around wounded and given over to the bondage of religion and not watching you model a life of loving Jesus and Jesus loving you and healing the whole of your heart, the whole of your soul, the whole of your mind in obedience to his word. I appreciate anybody this morning. Listen, friends, I come before you this morning to say this. I am not interested in living another day as a pastor in this arena, in this city, at this time, in this hour, and in this age with the mindset being I'm here to win friends and influence people. If you know the book, you know what I'm talking about. That book has done a catastrophic damage in the church today because what happened is we shut the power off 30 years ago when it was released and we exchanged Jesus' lordship for our personal leadership. We've exchanged Jesus' lordship in his church for our personal leadership. And it has rendered us powerless. Because the best way I can lead you is with his lordship. The best place I can lead you is to his lordship. The best way we can do this is not with Pastor Matt's leadership. It's with Jesus' lordship. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Leadership culture is a golden calf in the church. And it's high time that we gutted it. How do you know that, Pastor Matt? 
because Josiah is the king of almost all kings in comparison to Jesus. And it wasn't by Josiah's great leadership or great leadership podcast or great leadership book that in a time of decline, he inclined his ear unto heaven and he did something in Israel that hadn't been done in 400 years. And that was what? Restore the temple, put prominence on the word of God and make God the Lord of the land again. And then reinstitute the Passover, which you and I know in the new covenant is our Jesus. That wasn't done off his best leadership. That was done off Jesus' lordship. Preaching to anybody this morning. We have got to reinstitute and reorient ourselves back unto his lordship in our lives. If you want to have any power in your personal leadership, get underneath his prophetic lordship. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. He is a better Lord than you are a leader. If you want any power in your personal leadership, any impact in your personal leadership, any impact or influence in your personal leadership, get underneath his prophetic lordship. Jesus' prophetic lordship begets powerful leadership, not the other way around. Not the other way around. You see, here in this moment of scripture, we have this incredible moment that takes place with King Josiah. He is living in a way where he has gone in out of personal, again, I cannot stretch this enough, my friends. Beloved, hear me today. Out of his personal intimacy with God, he didn't have a pastor. No one was checking in on his salvation weekly. Nobody had to ask him to come to church. There wasn't even a church for him to go to. How blessed we are. How blessed we are. He didn't have a copy of the Bible. It was lost. There was no Passover supper. There was no temple to go and worship at. All of what God had called Israel had been lost, forsaken, and discarded for 400 years. And this boy, at eight years old, could have grown up in the way of his defiled grandfather and his defiled father. But instead, he chose to dip into what I called prophetic history last week. And he claimed David as his father. And he proclaimed the God of David as his God. And so I can't stretch this enough. Josiah had nothing compared to what you and I had to, had to have today. And yet his relationship with God it often trumps ours, doesn't it? Trumps mine. What I know is that I want to give my life in the pursuit of Josiah's ways because there is a way to live with such an intimacy with God here and now that it creates a redemptive time in the generation of tomorrow. There is an intimacy that we can live with God here, now, today that creates a ripple and redemptive time for the generation of tomorrow. Are you hearing me? There is a way, friends, to live with such closeness with God our Father, even more so than Him. We are dipped in the blood we have been raised to new life. We are a new creation in Christ. And friends, we've got every translation of the word of God available. We've got the best pastors and podcasters and resources available. 
And the best part is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, every single one of us who've been saved. So there is something available to you and I that wasn't even available to Josiah at his time. And so I don't know how we're gonna live this life not having the pursuit of our hearts being. Well, I want God to say that there was no other man like Matt. There was no other woman like Laura. There was no other woman like Julie. There was no other missionary like Julie before or after her. Can you imagine? There's no other man like Hamsa before or after him. Could you imagine? Some of us will get in a religious box and a religious mindset about this and be like, well, we're not in competition with each other. It's not in competition. It's an intimacy with the Father. I'm not competing with you for my headstone to say something better than yours. I want God's lips to honor my life. I want God's lips to co-sign my endeavors because what I endeavor with my life are what he has for me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I'm gonna bless the Lord with my life. I appreciate anybody this morning. Sure is quiet in this Pentecostal church. Pastor Matt, we're Pentecostal. I mean, we believe in Acts too, so yeah. Josiah lived in such a way that he literally, friends, hear me today. This is what she means. Hulda. This is what she means when she says to King Josiah, you are going to you are going to live and you are going to rule and then you are going to die. But God has a judgment and God has a rightful judgment. But because of who you are to him, Josiah, he's actually going to withhold his rightful judgment because of a son who sees him rightly. Are you hearing me? God has decided, I'm going to withhold my rightful judgment in a time of great decline, in a time of heresy, in a time of sexual immorality, in a time of brokenness, in a time of confusion, in a time of complete and utter rebellion in God's city. I will withhold my rightful judgment because I have a son who loves me rightly. Friends, what have I told you this morning? That Grand Rapids, some of our own families, you know who you are, some of our own families are in a time of great decline. Grand Rapids is in a time of great decline. West Michigan, Michigan, Midwest, America, we are in a time, the church itself, Jesus' own bride, is in a time of great decline. And what I came to tell you today is that there is a personal intimacy available to you where if you see him rightly, he will, he will withhold his judgment that is rightly. God has rightful judgment in this hour. He has every reason to shake the earth again. He has every reason because of sin, because of darkness, because of evil and wickedness to upheave, upheaval everything in his sight, flip it all over. The whole earth belongs to him in the fullness thereof, but there is an intimacy that comes from sons and daughters that is so right with him that even though he's right in his judgment because of your intimacy, your personal agency with him, 
he will withhold his rightful judgment because you see him rightly. Last week, we cut Josiah open and we saw the depths of Josiah. What was at the depths of Josiah? A great love for the depths of God. A great love was in his insides for the depths of God. Friends, get it, boy. He's good, Amber, no worries. All good, all good. We love him, it's fine. Children are welcome in church, guys, no worries. Tell you what, though, all the thoughts you're having in your head right now, what I saw was a beautiful young boy in the middle of worship come lay at the altar and play with Batman and monster trucks. And I just felt like Jesus is taking a moment. If he's passing around and he's coming in here looking at every lampstand, do you know what Jesus' next stop is? He's gonna stop and he's gonna play monster trucks and Batman with this poor little boy at the altar. That's who our Jesus is. That's who our Jesus is. That's what he does. He's not put off by that. He loves screaming kids in church because he'd rather have kids screaming in church than not at church at all. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. Gone are the days of this beautiful veneer that we've made church. I'm saying let's let them get rowdy and rowdy for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's parent how we need to, absolutely freaking lutely. Come on, somebody. At the same time, let's let them know that his house is a place where they can love him and love him well. Right? Cool. Let's get back to Josiah. Speaking of eight-year-olds who love the Lord. So here's what happens in Josiah's life. He started at eight years old instead of allowing his personal pain, his personal story, his personal intro to this world. I mean, he didn't ask to be born to that family, right? How many of us? We were raised in some hell, myself included. I didn't ask to be born into that family. No, I was born into filth. I was born into sin. I was born into tragedy. Josiah was born into filth, born into sin, born into tragedy. And ultimately, it was royalty. So homeboy was famous in Judah. But he was famous for all the wrong reasons because his father and his grandfather were the absolute worst kings of all time. But what was Josiah's response to that? He chose to what? Seek the Lord. And see, friends, it was out of that personal place of seeking the Lord that this is what happened. Josiah sought the Lord so intimately that literally out of a relationship with God, God said, I am going to open a heaven over Judah. I am going to split the sky. I am going to rend the heavens. I am going to pierce the veil. And I am going to create a ripple in redemptive time over this place. So much so that as Josiah goes and ultimately comes back unto me in the heavenlies, My open heaven is going to remain. My time of prosperity is going to remain as long as Josiah continues to seek me and live this life honorably before me. I am going to open a ripple in heaven if something amazing is going to happen because of his intimacy with God. A generation will inherit favor, mercy. Come on, mercy triumphs over judgment. And there is no greater example than this moment in scripture. But mercy would never have triumphed over judgment in the next generation. Come on, somebody. If intimacy didn't triumph over comfort, over priorities, over jobs, 
over relationships. No, 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 Josiah's yes to God, it triumphed over every other yes, and he led an entire kingdom. His whole life was predicated upon yes and no in the natural, but he had one spiritual yes that trumped both of them. That's who our Josiah is. That's who this man of God is. That's who this great saint is. That's who this man that we can all learn from. And I'm telling you, friends, there's, huh, there's going to be something that happens on the other side of this season of you and I of establishing ourselves as a house of prayer, not just as a church collectively, but a temple of prayer as an individual. That all of a sudden, we will begin to live in such a way that literally creates a ripple in the earth. I mean, what if there was a ripple based off your personal intimacy over Grand Rapids that the next generation coming up, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, Gen whatever they're gonna be, what if all of a sudden they didn't have to fight so hard to resist the temptations to go to the high places of potential with man, but instead, you and I, we committed to trailblazing with our lives, not trailblazing to the high places like our world says to do, but we trailblaze a path to the low places with God, and the next generation doesn't have to fight so hard because we've already blazed the trail, and they can now run down our blaze trails like prophetic highways to the depths of God. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Our world is like, trailblaze, be a trailblazer. Yeah, be a trailblazer, but not to the heights of your own man-given potential. But be a trailblazer that takes yourself to the depths of God. What if we just demolished every highway of high places and we made highways and low ramps and exits to the depths of God in our church, in our lives, in our families. And that next generation isn't known as Gen Z or Gen Alpha, but what if they're known as the Josiah generation? I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Speaking of Josiah generations, <coughs> this is actually what happens. It's quite incredible. Josiah, he lives this life. He seeks God. He does something in a way that the king of the universe looks at him and goes, you know what? I'm going to spare you of seeing the disaster. He says, this is the disaster, it can't actually be withheld forever. But because of your intimacy, I'm going to do something so provident. I am going to withhold my judgment for a generation. See, friends, as long as we continue to teach, or as, we, as long as we continue to allow our intimacy with God to be casual, it will continue to produce something catastrophic. Casual intimacy with God is catastrophic to the sons and the daughters. But purposeful intimacy, intentional intimacy with God, it will actually be providential to the sons and daughters of God. You can either have casual and catastrophic, or you could have intentional and providential. What is providence? That is God's sovereign will 
triumphing over every act of the world, culture, the devil in hell, and the best works of man to stop his plans. And God says, you can try, 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 but I am leaving an open heaven in this place so that whoever wants to seek me can still seek me. Whoever wants to find me can still find me. Whoever wants to call me can still call me. Whoever wants to pursue me can still pursue me. You can raise every law against a God in heaven, in Babylon, all you want. You can raise every law of God, against God in America, all you want. But God says off of personal intimacy with just one man, it wasn't his riches or his crown as king that got him this generational blessing of a ripple and redemptive time. It was his intimacy, his earnesty, his purity, his holiness, his setting himself apart for the Lord that purchased this for him. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. So what is the, what is the fruit of this? All of a sudden, when you finish Josiah's story, chronologically, there's going to be another king, and he's going to suck. But Josiah has set things up in the kingdom in such a way that literally if a king comes after him and decides to not serve Yahweh as God, he will have to go through and dismantle the entire culture of Judah that he set up in his time, just like he had to do. But it will be against the life-giving God that we know him as. And so all of a sudden, these people... They're living in a place called Judah and they have got this mixed bag of spirituality, they've got this mixed bag of temples. They've got the one true living God, Yahweh, and they have got everybody else being welcomed back into Judah. And what rises up is this man and his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar rises up. And if you go to Daniel, you'll be able to follow me for this next portion. I'm not going to bring it up on the screen, but just follow me. You'll understand where I'm at. But all of a sudden, Josiah's intimacy created a break in time, a break in the natural seen world. All of a sudden, because Josiah won the war in the unseen, it had ripples in the scene. Are you hearing me this morning? And what was that ripple? That ripple was a man named Daniel. That ripple was a man named Shadrach, was a man named Abednego, was a man named Meshach. In this moment... What happens is that because of what Josiah accomplished in private with God. Man, what was once private, it went public. What was once hidden became seen. What was, one, what was once just the culture of one man became the culture of a country. And all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar, who I'm going to call King Nebi for the rest of this morning because I... I don't like saying that long word, you know. But King Nebi, if you'll know anything about King Nebi, we'll talk about it. King Nebi is the most hot and cold man to probably ever exist. <laughs> Listen, friends, while we talk about this, we're going to be confronted because some of us, we're going to act a little bit. We have, we have acted a little bit more like King Nebuchadnezzar than we have Daniel. Today, I want to put to death the King Nebuchadnezzar in us all, and I want us to raise up and become Daniels once again. And so all of a sudden, because of King Josiah's life, listen, this is amazing. So many church fathers have asked, where did Daniel come from? Where did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where did this company of the Messiah's misfits, like who are these men? 
Who formed them? Who raised them? Who were their pastors? Who saved them? Who brought them up? Who made Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Where did they come from? Because of one man's intimacy with God. God responded with creating a ripple in redemptive time. We're a resilient generation. Could be birthed in exile known as Babylon. And in exile, this resilient, redemptive generation, they wouldn't just survive Babylon but they would thrive in Babylon. They wouldn't just thrive in Babylon, but they would actually produce, create, foster, and keep revival in Babylon. They didn't just survive exile, they thrived. They didn't just thrive in exile, they revived in exile. It was because of Josiah's relationship with God that he said, I am going to split this open and there is going to be a divine season over Judah. And these young boys, Daniel 1, it shows us what did they do? They were birthed in exile. They were raised in Babylonian language and literature. These guys were the best Babylonians to never be Babylonians. And so what did God do in their lives? He raised them up in such a way, just like Josiah, that when Daniel becomes 70 years old, before the angel ever visits him, he has a moment with God in private yet again. And he realizes in that same privacy, that same intimacy, that same relationship that he prophetically inherited from King Josiah, he realized there had not been an evening sacrifice in Judah for about 70 years. So what does Daniel do with that? He sought the Lord. Here's that word again. He sought the Lord. And so all of a sudden, Daniel, he is amazing. Here's the deal. Before King Nebuchadnezzar even has the big dream, he has a bunch of dreams. King Nebuchadnezzar, he has all of these dreams, and he goes, get me the sages. Get me the mages. Get me the magi. Get me the magicians. Get me the sorcerers. Get me the seers. And hey, get me those Yahweh guys. Daniel's whole little company. Most famous, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there are some ladies in there. They just got hard names to pronounce, so... For all those that aren't about lady pastors and preachers, you're wrong, but they just got hard names. <laughs> so it's in this moment where he calls for all of them and he's having these dreams and they're all answering him and man, he's just really getting his ego stroked. King Nebuchadnezzar is getting his ego stroked and they're all giving him these interpretations and all this stuff and King Nebuchadnezzar, dream after dream, interpretation after interpretation, he grows old of it. He's kind of getting tired of hearing like how great he is when he knows how wicked he is, <laughs> right? It's like all of us when someone gives us a compliment, but we're like, nah, I was, I'm not really there. You just, you know, hey, it's great to see you in church today. It took everything for me to get here today <laughs> because I've been living like hell, right? So King Nebuchadnezzar, like all of us, knows when we've been sinning, even though we haven't been in the light about it. Can we just normalize coming to church even though we know we've been sinning outside of these walls? 
Could we just normalize repentance and confession again? Can we just normalize that? Would that be cool? Because I would really love it if you would just come and break apart at the altar and we not have to chase you for five weeks. There's love here. If I have to pursue you for five weeks, I'm going to be a bit more frustrated than loving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So King Nebuchadnezzar, all of a sudden, he realizes, he says this, this is his own words. He says, those of Yahweh, those of the kingdom of God, their interpretation of my dreams are 10 times that of every other magician and every other sorcerer and every other seer in all of Babylon. What does that mean, Pastor Matt? That means that there is a way of living with such intimacy with God that all of a sudden the unbelieving world, the most wicked of governments, the unbelieving politicians, the most vile human beings who will lie, cheat, and steal from the church itself included, friends, are you hearing me? That the most pungent, terrible politicians in all the earth will actually realize one day that the culture doesn't have the answers for what, what, what woes them, that the world doesn't actually have the answers for what is burdening them, that instead the answers that they need can only come from heaven, and it's going to be found in the church. But that's never going to happen if we're not found being like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all those great ladies with long names, seeking the Lord. All of a sudden, this is the God of multiplication. This is the God of generations. Hear me. What God birthed and had in intimacy with one man, Josiah, and the next generation was replicated in this company, in this band of Messiah's misfits. And what happens when 10 times 1? 10. All of a sudden, God puts the favor and power of 1 in 10. It is 10 times greater, are you hearing me, in this band than ever was in just Josiah himself. Friends, the reality is this. The next generation and our children, our grandchildren, are you hearing me? Will inherit who we are with God. Almost more importantly, the next generation, your children, our grandchildren, will inherit who we are not with God. Are you hearing me? This is priority. This is the alarm. Who you are with today will be what your children inherit tomorrow. And who you are not with God today is what your children will inherit tomorrow. That needs to wake some of us up. Pastors, leaders, worship leaders, laymen, laywomen, freshly saved, seasoned saints, whomever you are in here today, hear the word of the Lord. Who you are with God today, your children will inherit tomorrow. Who you are not with God today, your children will inherit tomorrow. What will you pass on? We know what Josiah passed on, a ripple in redemptive time. Ask yourself, not just take over church, not just your pastors, but what will you pass on? And I don't mean just in wealth. What will you pass on from the life you live Will it be a life lived before God or will it be a life lived with God? Because one says, I'll show up before you, God. And the other one says, I will live with you, God. What will your children inherit? Because we know what the next generation from Josiah inherited. 
They inherited a power, a gifts of the Spirit. Can you believe it? What if interpretation comes back to the church again because of our intimacy in this room, because of your intimacy in your prayer closet, in your secret place, at your kitchen table, in your living room, weeping before the Lord? What if your personal intimacy today birthed prophetic interpretation to kings and politicians and government leaders tomorrow? Are you hearing me? I'm as serious as a heart attack. This is reality. This isn't just a good pep rally. This is prophetic wisdom from the Lord. There is a way to live with God today that will be inherited by our children tomorrow. The church we hand over to them, the lives that we model before them. Ask yourself, am I living a life worth modeling for my grandchildren? Do I have a relationship with the Lord today that is worth passing on to my grandchildren? I'm not talking about your wallet. I'm not talking about your bank account. Yes, that's good. Yes, God affirms it. Yes, read Proverbs. Wise man stores up what? Inheritance for his children. But friends, the greatest inheritance for your children will not be found in silver and gold. It'll be found in matters of eternity. It's never hit me more than it has today. It's never hit me more than it has in this last month. I'm telling you, what I walked away with from uh, 31 days of prayer and fasting was that the next generation matters. Friends, it's great that we get the oil in this room. Will your grandchildren get the oil in their lifetime? Josiah gave his personal intimacy and then it provoked action. What was that action? He tore down every high place. Everything that raised itself up against the Lord. He pulled it down. He burned every priest's bone of wickedness. He made sure that the next generation could never fall back into his same sin patterns. What his grandfather and his father left behind for him. Men of God, when will you finally get a track phone so that your son one day doesn't stumble across your iPhone and pull up at Pornhub? When will you forego Instagram and blue bubbles? Cultural relevance. When will you throw away everything in order to give an inheritance worthy of our God to your children? Daniel begins to interpret these dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar looks at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all those great ladies. And he says, there is something in these kingdom of God people that is 10 times more accurate every time. His words, friends, than all the things of this world and all the people in it, than all the sorcerers and magis and magicians combined. I don't care if you're blind and still can see. You are not as right as these. That's what he says. And so all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar, he has this dream. And the word actually says this is the most disturbing dream he has ever had. He had a, a dream that disturbed him so much that the word says it made him lose his sleep. When God begins to point out little details like that, we need to incline our ears. In times of great decline, we what? We greatly incline. We need to incline ourselves to these little details of the word of God. He says, listen, 
He is disturbed. He's losing sleep. This king is going mad. This king has instituted a kingly diet. He makes all of his watchmen on the wall eat his same diet. Like he has these ways about him that if you're going to follow in the way of the king, you're going to live, you're going to eat, you're going to drink, you're going to think, you're going to be like the king. Interesting. Because his fallen, broken, sinful watchmen are often better disciples of a wicked king than you and I are of the king of kings. So Daniel, all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar, he has this dream and he calls all of the magis, all of the sorcerers once again. And they all go to him one by one and they keep saying, you're amazing. Your dream means that God is for you, you wicked king. The God of your appetite is for you. The God of your wants and your desires and your ideas, he is for you. Oh, you're so wise, king. You're so this. And King Nebuchadnezzar is like, quit blowing smoke on my face. And then finally, one of the the seers finally snaps on the king. And instead of massaging his ego, he tells it how it is. And he says, king, there is no one on this earth that can interpret that dream for you because the only God that could doesn't walk in the flesh. And so King Nebuchadnezzar flies off the handle and he says, that's it. If no man on this earth, none of my seers, my magis, none of y'all can tell me the interpretation of this dream. He tells his homie, he starts with an A, it's like Adioc or Aok or whatever his name is. He tells him, he goes, round up all the magi, wrap up all the seers and get all the kingdom people and murder them. Kill them. If none of them can help me, I want them all dead. This thing doesn't work if I can't have interpretation. If it's all going down their lives, that's going to make me feel better. It's crazy. And so all of a sudden, this Aok guy, he goes to Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and all these amazing ladies, and he goes to them, and he knocks on Daniel's door, and he's like, Dan, it's time to die. And Daniel's response is like, wait, hold up, What? He's like, we're 10 times better than everybody. He goes, king doesn't matter. King doesn't care. And Daniel barters with him. He says, Aok, listen, 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 listen. Off of the license, off of the grace, off of the fact that we've done all of these things and we've been right so many times, allow me this. Go to the king. Go to King Nebuchadnezzar and tell him. Tell him Daniel has requested based off all of his faithfulness, all of his right interpretations. Daniel says this. Allow me 10 days to seek, fast, and pray. To Yahweh. Give me just 10 days. I need just 10 days. And if you come back here and I don't have the proper God-given sure as heaven interpretation of that dream, then fine. Kill me along with the rest. But give me 10 days to what? Seek, fast, and pray. Pause. There's those words again. There's those words again that echoed in Josiah's heart, that is echoing in Daniel's heart, that is echoing in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's heart, that is echoing in the earth and in the church today. God is on the horn in heaven speaking to his church the same thing that he was saying to Daniel and Josiah and all of them that came before us. Seek fast and pray. Seek fast and pray. Seek fast and pray. Those that have been living off the fruit of existing in exile but living in a ripple of redemptive time have the same call of God on their lives. 
It's almost like those glory years of the church where it was okay to be okay as a Christian in America and you weren't going to face any persecution. You weren't going to have to give any answers for your faith because we were a culturally Christian relevant country at the time. So you got to exist in a place of exile while it was okay with the common man to be a Christian. Can you imagine if our church fathers before us had, and obviously some of them did, but if the entire church has been unified since the days of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we were going to make our position in exile that of seek, fast, and pray? Seek, fast, and pray. So what happens? Aok, he goes, Daniel, listen, I think I can buy you some time. I'm going to let you seek. I'm going to let you pray. But I really don't like your fasting because Nebi, he's got this way about him. Where of all of his watchmen, all of his people, they're not eating the king's diet. He takes it as a personal affront to his wisdom. You will move against his wisdom. You will proclaim with your life how you're living. Are you hearing me? That you do not honor the throne. But what was produced in a ripple and redemptive time was a resilience to live before kings in what? Reverence and awe of Father God over reverence and awe of any other king. What was produced in Daniel and his company was the fear of the Lord. And so because they lived with fear, respect, and awe of God the Father, they didn't have to live in fear and awe and respect of King Nebuchadnezzar. Friends, that could be the next generation. What if the next generation of Grand Rapidians, of people from Wyoming and Granville and Kentwood and Door and Wayland and Rockford and Walker and Cedar Springs and Sparta and all the places represented in this room, what if that next generation that comes from you and I and specifically the greater church of Grand Rapids at large, friends, what if they were raised in a ripple and redemptive time where they were sparked with in their bones the fear of the Lord, the reverence of our God in awe of who Jesus is. And then like Daniel, it actually empowered them to speak true truth to power. And they would never bow before a lesser king so you know they'll stand in the heavenlies. I'm gonna preach to anybody this morning. This is available to you and I. But how do we get it? Personal intimacy with God. <laughs> and so Daniel, out of his desire to have personal intimacy with God, he tells Aok this. He goes, tell King Nebuchadnezzar, give me 10 days. And if you come back in 10 days and I am not more fit, I do not look better, I cannot run further, jump higher, fight them in a wrestling match. If I can't outwit them, your king's diet watchman, if I can't beat them in combat. Are you hearing me? Read the book of Daniel. It's buck wild. Christians are pacifists. No, we're not. He literally fasts on an all-vegetable diet that is not an endorsement for veganism and vegetarianism, okay? Gosh. He's literally saying, I'm going to live completely set apart for the next 10 days and completely set with God for the next 10 days and see if I don't come out of this prophetic furnace, hello, more stronger than all of the king's diet watchmen. So 10 days go by and Aok comes for Daniel and Daniel is out there 
just looking like Carl Weathers. Can't wait to see him in heaven. He loved Jesus. Looking like Carl Weathers in Rocky One. And Daniel is shredded. And Daniel has been just praying and seeking and doing prophetic crunches unto the Lord. And Daniel looks better, is better, faster, stronger than all of the king's diet watchmen at the time. And so while the magicians have already been killed, the sorcerers have already been laid to waste, that every other seer in all of Babylon has been put to the grave. There lies Daniel and his company. And there is an invitation from the king to come and interpret that dream for him. And it has to be right. Fast, seek, pray. So what happens? As Daniel stands before Nebuchadnezzar and he repeats the dream to King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't tell Daniel the dream. Daniel got the dream from God. Okay? This is big time. And it's available to you, to me. I am telling you, this is massive. If we would just believe it, we would see the craziest things. We would be the craziest people. We would do the most outlandish feats of triumph for God. The problem is most Christians don't win the war in private, so they don't win the war in public. I preached to anybody this morning? So Daniel, he won the war in private. And then he goes to the king in public and he says, here's your dream. Here's all these things. Now here's what it means, scholar, let me tell you. After you are going to come lesser kings. Pause right there. Daniel has got the Holy Spirit stones to stand before this king Nebuchadnezzar who could end his life like he did every other seer right before this. Okay? Ten days prior, he killed everybody else like him besides him and his company. And he says to him, there's going to be lesser kings that come after you, namely saying, you're a lesser king than Josiah. You suck. You've turned Judah and Jerusalem into Babylon. You've created the world's worst empire that has ever existed because it's debauchery, morally void, and terrible place. It is an affront towards God, Babylon. So Daniel says, and after this, there's going to come four other kingdoms, and they're all going to be lesser, and they're going to be more stupid than you. And he goes, in fact, they're going to be so stupid that they think, oh, we all suck as a kingdom. So what we should do is have this intermarriage between kingdoms. And Daniel says something so prophetic that I think if you and I got this as a prophetic image for how we live our lives in the kingdoms we build called our homes, our marriage, our sexuality, our purity, our reputation, our businesses, our jobs. If we got this as a prophetic image, what Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar, friends, we would live differently forever. He says this. They're going to fall under the illusion, the lie, that they can intermarry these kingdoms, but it will be like taking iron and marrying it to clay. He says it won't hold up. It would never endure. It would never withstand judgment. There is nothing that could come and not tear down. A wind could come, and if you fuse together in marriage iron and clay, it crumbles. Clay cannot uphold the iron and they cannot be bound together because two things should not be married that are unequally yoked. Right? Right? So all of a sudden, what do we see here? 
a prophetic image of how you and I are not to live our lives. When we're given lordship, when we're given leadership, when we become leaders in our quote unquote kingdoms that God allows us to live called life, know what we don't do? We don't marry the riches of heaven with the riches of this earth. And we don't take what the Lord has deposited in us and marry it with what we will deposit in our bank or what we will deposit in our wives or what we will deposit with all of the things that you and I seemingly live for on this earth. No, no, no. We live for this deposit, to guard this deposit, to fan it into flame. Amen? All of these lesser clays and lesser irons will never produce in your life what God's kingdom can produce. How do I know? I'm glad you asked. Daniel says this. He goes, but God says, the one true living God says, he's going to establish a kingdom. And when God establishes a kingdom, when he establishes that kingdom, it's actually going to break every kingdom of man. He says all of those kingdoms will be broken when God establishes his kingdom. And he goes, and then this kingdom, it doesn't just endure forever. It lives forever. It reigns forever. It will never be defeated. It can never be pulled down. God's kingdom is indefinite. And then he finishes it with this, which I think is heavenly cheeky, and I am for it. He says, this is the word of the Lord. Are you ready? This is the word of the Lord. The one true God and this interpretation is sure. I was like, Daniel, mic drop. Just styled all over Nebuchadnezzar. And what happens to Nebuchadnezzar? In this moment, because of Josiah's, hear me again, friends, we're going all the way back. Don't begin to glorify Daniel just yet because Daniel is living in a time of redemptive history where Josiah's intimacy with God was so great, so profound, so strong, so real that it was birthed in private before it ever went public. And so Josiah's private intimacy, are you hearing me, is now having public palace ramifications for Daniel. What comes off the back of your private intimacy, friends, will be echoed in palaces, will be echoed in public, and will be echoed not just in the heavenlies, but in earthly generations. Should Jesus not come back in our lifetime, friends, your private intimacy with God will echo publicly in the earth. And as well, a woe to you who don't believe me yet. Your lack of private intimacy will also be felt by its absence in the earth. And so what happens here in this moment? Well, Daniel being obedient, worship team, you can make your way up here. Daniel being obedient to what he heard in private, seeking, fasting, praying with the Lord is this. He says, and this is the sure interpretation. Again, cheeky heaven, I love it. This is the sure interpretation. King Nebuchadnezzar Hear me today. I'm going to preface this. You should finish reading the book of Daniel. It's buck wild and amazing. Second, King Nebuchadnezzar, he gets saved in this moment. Caveat being, asterisk being, he will vacillate all the days of his life between king and God, Yahweh, and king and God, whatever fills his tummy and his appetite from here on out. 
He will vacillate. He will go back and forth. He will continue to cheat on God with every other God that says, I can meet your given need at a given time. But what does King Nebuchadnezzar do with that brief moment of salvation? Hear me today. Hear me today. Those you think aren't worth, aren't worth giving your time to, hear me today. Those you think aren't worth receiving the word that God gives you, hear me today. Those that want to cower to your bosses, to your husbands, to your wives, to your family members who dread going to Christmas and family events because you know you have got heathen, loving family members who don't live God's ways. Hear me today. Are you hearing me? Yes. Beloved, do you hear me? What happens in this moment is King Nebuchadnezzar, he bows down and he repents to God for not serving him. He says the God of Daniel is the one true living God. All because of Josiah's personal intimacy with God, the next reigning king. He gets saved. And yes, he vacillates between a bunch of different worlds and a bunch of different gods. Well, what's interesting about King Nebuchadnezzar is after this moment, he continually has to be proven by God that God is God. And God pursues King Nebuchadnezzar all the days of his life. It's amazing. But hear me. Because of Josiah's personal intimacy with God, I know you're probably getting sick of me saying it, but I need you to understand. Because of Josiah's personal intimacy with God, what does King Nebuchadnezzar do? King Nebuchadnezzar promotes Daniel in the kingdom of Babylon. He promotes him, he empowers him, and he gives him prominence. He is chief seer and chief watchman of all of Babylon. All of a sudden, what God, when God had the ear of one man named Josiah, now God has the ear and the lips and the power of one man named Daniel. And what happens to Daniel? All of a sudden, God gets a voice, God gets power, God gets a hand to Babylon. Are you hearing me? Beloved, would you stand? All of a sudden, there was this ripple in redemptive time created because of one man's personal intimacy. And then what does Daniel do with the fruit? With the fruit of Josiah's personal labor with the Lord. Daniel raises the prominence, and you know what he does? He pulls the cheat code right underneath him. Daniel puts into power Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what are they? They're dream interpreters, they're financiers, they're watchmen. All of a sudden, he's got three of his own disciples, his young boys, his young Micahs, his young Landons, are put into places of prominent and power in the empire of Babylon. So should anything happen to Daniel, guess what happens? God still has a voice in Babylon. Should, kingdom, should King Nebuchadnezzar lose his way, guess what happens? God still has a hand in Babylon. Should Babylon go all the way to hell, guess what happens? What David said, if I make my bed in Sheol, guess where you are? You're there with me. Why? Because you're with me. And all of a sudden, if Babylon goes to hell, God gets to pursue those that want to hear, those that want to listen, those that want to see, those that want to seek, those that want to have relationship with Him because God has a man and that man has other men and they make a way for God to have a place in Babylon. Why? Because God had a place in Josiah. 
Friends, this morning I am calling you to a moment where the worship team's going to sing an amazing song called the Song of the Lamb. And in the court, or in the bridge of it, it says these amazing prophetic words, let it not be said of me that I withheld anything from you. Let it not be said of me that I withheld anything from you. And all of a sudden, if this can become our prayer, if this can become our daily awakening, if this can become our daily pursuit, what will begin to happen, we can actually see today, 2024, February, a ripple in redemptive time over Grand Rapids and West Michigan as a whole, where your kids, your sons, your daughters, our grandchildren, well, all of a sudden, we will raise up Daniels. I want to live as a Josiah today so that Daniels can be birthed tomorrow. I want to live as Josiah today so that our grandchildren can become Daniels tomorrow. I want to live as Josiah today so that there is a Josiah generation birthed in the earth tomorrow. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I have no idea, I have no idea why we sought so many other things for so many other years, for so long. What I am telling you friends, there is something that will ripple and echo in generations to come. And it won't be your business, it won't be this church, it won't be all of these things. There's a time and a season for everything. Do you know what will actually withstand the test of time? What will never die in this earth? Personal intimacy with God. How do I know? Because we're still doing Daniel fast today. How do I know? Because we're still singing about another in the fire today. How do I know? Because we're still worshiping Jesus some 2,000 years later on a completely different continent than he ever ministered on. How do I know? Because our God says my word will endure forever and ever. So what I want to do is this. If you want to kill the lights in the back, I want to invite you to join me last week yeah we made agreements we gave first fruits we pledged with finances that's amazing where your finances are there your heart will be we know what jesus said it's amazing i can't wait to see all that god does in 2024 through the financing of the local church however what i'm really excited about in 2024 is seeing what god does through the intimacy of the local church i preached to anybody this morning and so what I want to do right now is they begin to sing the song of the Lamb. May he receive the reward for his suffering. What I want us to do is this. I want to invite you to join me up here at the altar, young and old alike. I want to see you at the altar. And I want to begin to see you not just pledge something financially, but break something loose in your own body this morning saying, God, I will live to see a ripple in redemptive time ripped open in this region in this hour in my home in my kids in my future so i'm gonna pray 
And as I do, just begin to come up. Just begin to find a place for your knees to fall, your tears to fall, your weight to fall upon the Lord and say to Him, I want to be a Josiah today so that I can see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tomorrow. I want to be a Josiah today so that Holders can rise up and prophetess in the church tomorrow. I want to be a Josiah today so we can see a great army of priests and priestess rise up tomorrow. I want to be a Josiah today so that I can see dreams return to the church, interpretation return to the church, healing made easy in the house of God. You're not worried about coming to church, you're worried about not coming to church when you're sick. I want to see healing normalized in the house of God again. I want to see miracles made great again. I want to see deliverance made great again. I want to see the gifts and move of the Spirit of God, the fruit of God, lived out in the local church once again. And friends, I'm telling you, everything we long to see in the Word of God will be birthed in the house of God when we decide that we are going to make it our aim to be intimate with our God. So I'm going to pray. There's so much room up here, even if there's not. Fall on somebody else. Let's do it. Father, I love you. Father, I ask right now, God, I ask in this moment, Lord, that you would be with Jairo in Honduras, who's watching this service right now, who is gathering people in Honduras, Lord. I pray right now through Jairo and his friends that you would, God, take over Honduras, that you would create a ripple in Honduras right now, God, that would be a crack in redemptive time where Honduras would just thrive in prosperity. It would thrive prophetically and in relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Father, right now I pray in this room. Sorry, we've got a guy in Honduras that's been watching our services and tuning in and gathering people to come and watch it. All of a sudden, we've got a satellite campus in Honduras. I don't know how that happened. Well, it's Grand City. That's actually how it happened. They bought him a Bible, led him to the Lord, and all of a sudden, he's creating a ripple in Honduras. Are you hearing me? This is what you gave your finances to. This is what you pledged your heart to. And this is what we're crying out for. So, Father, right now I ask in this room, under the sound of my voice, here and now, God, here and now, God, make us a Josiah. Give us his heart. Give us his pursuit. Give us his mind. Give us his soul. Give us the revelation that he had of you, God. Lord, we're calling on the God of Josiah. Lord, I say right now, this is your word. This is not my great idea. This is my, not my next book. This is not my next preaching sermon, my series. This is nothing to do with Matt McClure or any other human in this room. This is your word. And all we say to you, Father, is would you honor it? Would you honor it in your sons? Would you honor it in your daughters? Would you honor it in this room, God, that we can live in such a way that this next generation, they wouldn't go from lie to lie, but they go from glory to glory. They would go from sexual confusion to sexual confusion, but they go from strength to strength, God. That they wouldn't go from every confusion to confusion, but they go from hope to hope, God. That this next generation, God, they wouldn't be worried about cutting their bodies to please the culture, but they instead would make it their aim to rend their hearts before you to please their Father. That God, right now, there would be a generation in Grand Rapids that rises up in West Michigan. That right now, God, we just declare we're not afraid of Grand Rapids. 
We're not afraid of the religious spirit. We're not afraid of all of hell in this room. God, we have a fear of you that will never leave, that will never run, that we say, God, begin in us what you did in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If Grand Rapids in America is Babylon 2024, God, then find yourself a company, a band, a bunch of misfits called Takeover Church, Lord. that will give their lives to intimacy with you. That Lord, before every other relationship, you would be our first. That before every place that we could give our money, you would be our first. Before every other person we could give our heart, you would be our first. Before every other thought that we could give our mind to, you would be our first thought. God, before every motivation and machination in this earth, God, that we could give ourselves to, we pray that you would be our motivation. That our machination would be Jesus. That today, Lord Jesus, we would not be, we would not be thrilled with the things that captivate this world. We don't need a church God that reside that 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 resembles culture clubs of this world, God. We say, make us a house of prayer. And God, this morning, as we rend our hearts before you as we rend our hearts before you and we sing the song of the Lamb. God, would this be the beginning of the unzipping of the heavenlies, of the veil that separates you and Grand Rapids? Would you begin in this moment as we pray to unzip the veil between Grand Rapids and heaven, God? And would you birth something right now akin to what Josiah did in the days of old? And we would see Daniels and Shadrach, Meshachs and Abednego be born today, God, to survive lion dens of tomorrow, to thrive in the fire tomorrow, God, that would have resilience in exile, God. I hear the Lord saying, so the church goes, so goes the nation. So you go, so goes your family. So goes you, so goes the church, so goes the church, so goes the nation. So goes Michigan, so goes Grand Rapids. So you go, so the church goes, and so the church goes, so everything else goes. Father, right now, give us prophetic images of the sons that we will have one day of the daughters we will have. Give us prophetic images of the grandchildren that will come from us, God. And show us, God, show us what it looks like to be so intimate with you in the ways of Josiah that we will have Daniel's birth tomorrow. God, if you'll show us, we will live for it. If you'll show us, God, we will have an aim. We will have a target. We will have a bullseye, God, that we know every day, this is my aim. This is my target. This is what I am shooting for with my life, with my time, with my finances, with my marriage, with my sexuality, with my thought life. Everything in me, God. Like Josiah, I want to seek you with my whole heart, my whole soul, my whole mind, with the whole of your word. So come Holy Spirit and have your way and let's create a ripple this world will never soon forget. In Jesus' mighty name, do it here, Lord. Amen.